How's it going, everybody? This is Chris, and welcome to episode 7, the final episode of Major X Lapsed. Uh, I'm starting to think this day was never going to come. <laughs> it feels like uh, every time we finished an issue, there was uh, there was still just as many left to cover. But, no, we are done here today. Uh, hopefully, we're done here. I don't know if they're going to redo this at any point in the future. This might just be the end of season 1. Uh, let's, let's hope for the best. Uh, now this is, uh, Major X number zero, because, I mean, how else do you evoke the pure 90s gestalt of comics and the industry without having a wonderful number zero issue here? And, uh, Major X is no different, though Major X number zero came after the initial six-issue miniseries here. So this one was cover dated October of 2019. It's by Rob Liefeld, with inks by Liefeld, Adelso Corona, and Corey Hampshire. Colors, Romulo Fajardo Jr., letters, VCs, Joe Sabino. Edits, Bisa White-Zabolski. Cover price, $4.99. And I hope nobody spent $5 on this to follow along with this show. Because I would feel really, really bad if he did. This one went on sale August 7th, 2019, and... Uh, it's a weird one. Uh, the credits I just uh, listed are just for the framing sequence of this book here. So we have a beginning and an out, and like an intro and an outro that are set in. Uh, God, I don't know where they're set, but they're new. <laughs> they are new as of August seventh, twenty nineteen. There, it's all new information. Uh, in the middle of the uh, intro and outro is a two-part story from the year two thousand. So we're going to go through credits a couple more times today. This is a, a Wolverine story. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you think Major X, Wolverine is probably uh, the first name that comes to mind, isn't it? Yeah, me either. But we're going to do it anyway. Um, let's get into here. Let's get into this uh, this story here. We open, and we're in the existence. And it's after the fall. The fall of What? I haven't the foggiest idea, and it's not going to be made all that much more clear as we continue our way through. Here, we're greeted by an odd fellow in a sort of kind of Major X getup, only his buckethead helmet has wings. Like, if you remember Strife, remember, you know, the cable clone Strife, who had all those, like, giant wings on the side of his helmet? This isn't quite like that, but it's like, he's got, like, one on on either side of his uh, little buckethead helmet. Um, We also see the Major himself... And now he has, like, a reverse brother voodoo hairdo, where, like, all of his hair is white except for a streak of brown. So maybe he's, like, an inverse X-Man as well. 
Whatever the case, the Major is told that he will be responsible for protecting this realm. Now, our camera pans out to show us the Tribunal of Bucketheads stood before our hero, and they are as follows. We have Lieutenant X, Commander X, which I'm pretty sure was a name Rob scoffed at when either Bob Harris or Louise Simonson suggested it for Cable way back in the long ago, Captain X, General X, and of course, Sergeant X. Uh, They really look like the dorkiest assembly of Lego minifigures here. It's very... Anywho, they hand the Major the most sacred of armaments to be used in defense of the existence. And I tell you what, all you cool kids can keep your X of swords, because in this book, we got a sword of X. Yeah, Major X now wields the sword of X. Commander X uses this as an excuse to engage in a flashback to something that will... Not really have much to do with Major X, but it gives Marvel and Liefeld the opportunity to reprint a 20-year-old story that people didn't care for at the time, and probably still won't. So let's get into All Along the Watchtower. Plot and Pencils by Rob Liefeld. Script, Eric Stevenson. Colors, Digital Broom. Letters, Comicrafts, Troy Petiri. Petiri. Uh, Edits, Mark Powers and Bob Harris. This was originally Wolverine Volume 2, number 154, cover dated September of 2000. So, it's Wolverine, and he's uh, fresh off a really fun and very brief arc by Steve Scrosi, and now he's fighting a bunch of, uh, like, Liefeld conveyor belt villains. They're being led by Deadpool, which is the actual Deadpool, not Dreadpool, and we've already met, like, most of these losers somewhere in the middle of the Major X miniseries. They are the Scourge, and they include such such names as Pigskin, Vance Rebus, Deadeye Dick, Mega Max, Reckless Eric, who I don't remember at all, and uh, Mini Max as the Beaver. I mean, did, did I already make that joke? Yeah, probably. Oh, there's also another member, but he doesn't get a name here. So, uh, hey, lucky guy, right? Deadpool informs us this group is... Uh, just like in sync, only uglier, just to remind us that it is, in fact, the year 2000. From here, we get like a half dozen pages of Wolverine and Deadpool kicking one another. Wolverine is confused, as were basically all the readers of this comic back in the day. You see, he and we thought that Deadpool was more of a good guy, because, you know, he was. Deadpool assures Logan that this is not personal, it's just business, and this will actually come to make a little bit of sense as we work our way through this. Finally, Wolverine is struck by like a million tranquilizer darts, which finally puts him down for a bit. And so Deadpool stands around soliloquizing while Wolverine narrates a scene shift. The scene shift, I'm not sure if this is a flashback or just another encounter, and it's not made all that clear. Wolverine is at a dive bar called Swags, I think. Uh, the you know the uh, na- the balloon covers the, uh, the the name of this bar, this fine establishment. Uh, the barkeep he introduces himself as Leon, which believe it or not will be something we're going to have to remember. There's also a waitress who has uh, like the same hairdo that every girl that I knew in junior high school had in the early '90s. It's like where they have like really big thick bangs, and then like right behind them. A big, I don't know, boomf of hair, you know? It doesn't really matter because she won't have this hairstyle very long. This is a Liefeld book, remember? So consistency 
isn't key. I'm trying to think of a portmanteau for Liefeld and linearity, but I can't quite make it work because I think that could be a funny term to use from this point on. Anyway, Wolverine and Leon talk a bit about how Logan looks like Neil Young, which ends with our hero threatening to throw Leon through a window or something. As this is going on, Deadpool and the Losers are watching all of this unfold. They're watching him on monitors, because all bad guys have monitors everywhere. Then our friendly waitress, who now has a generic Liefeld shag haircut, she pops in for a flirt. She tells Wolverine to pay Levon, no mind, remember, Levon, Leon. That's not the same name at all, is it? Now, when reading this back, and probably when I read this for the first time back in the year 2000, I probably just assumed that this was more Liefeldian consistency, and that he actually goofed on the name here, Leon for Levon. But shock of shocks, this will actually play into the story. Because you see, this waitress, Janine, calling Leon Levon, doesn't pass Logan's smell test. Our man knows something's up, and, uh, you know, how are you going to argue with such, you know, shocking evidence as some waitress saying the wrong name, right? Wolverine winds up putting Levon down, and he knows something is afoot. Then Janine, with her third hairstyle in three pages, it's, it's grown about a foot and a half here, pulls out a pair of uh, Mark 69 Liefeldian rifles that appear to have been drawn in after the fact because she's holding them in a completely impossible way. Oh, and also her tube top now has, like, Ultimate Warrior fringe on it, which it didn't have a panel ago. Deadpool, he's still watching on the monitors, he's watching this all play out, and he is not happy to see the waitress going into business for herself. And so, he orders that the bar be blown up. (sighs) Then the Wolverine and the Scourge fight. So, um, maybe this was a flashback? Or, Or was it? Because this fight scene plays out completely differently than the first one. This is like they just had two fight scenes, they didn't know which one to pick, so they put them both in there. Very bizarre. This one consists of Wolverine pummeling the Scourge for a handful of pages before being confronted by the Administrator. Oh, and we also have to turn the comic 90 degrees to read this page because it's one of those. Now, the Administrator backhands Wolverine, but he himself cannot be hit because it's, you know, that hard hard light hologram gimmick or some such nonsense. So that's, that's actually something we did see in the Prime Major X miniseries, so I guess yay for some consistency. Anywho, the admin tells Logan that he is the future, and more on that in just a little bit. Uh, We shift scenes to the Watchtower, uh, where we get a better idea of why Deadpool is playing along with the Administrator and the Losers. You see, there's this blonde woman floating in a stasis tube with, like, tubes in her mouth, and he was promised that she would be helped if he joined up. So this blonde, by the way, is supposed to be Siren who Wade had the hot pants for during the 90s. The gimmick here is that Siren had her vocal cords cut in a then-recent issue of X-Force. This was X-Force number 91, June 1999, cover date. It was a battle with uh, the New Hellions, I believe. And so Deadpool, since he's got the hot pants for her, wants to help make her whole again. Why she has blonde hair? I haven't the foggiest idea. Uh, We wrap up with Wolverine at the Watchtower, strung up by his ankles. The administrator promises to make him their greatest weapon. As luck would have it, the watchtower must have like a lot of shadowy areas because it turns out there's enough room to hide an entire team of brand new guys in one of these shadows. We got a man with a headband and the beginnings of a Liefeldian broccoli florette hairdo. He notes Wolverine's position and, you know, the fact that they need to save him. 
His teammates are Cargo, Hardwire, and Shooter. Uh, the fella rushes out of the shadows, and he KOs the one guy left guarding Wolverine. They left one guy. One friggin' guy here to watch over Wolverine. Their, their ultimate weapon here, their greatest weapon. They leave him under the watchful eye of Reckless Eric. You know, Reckless Eric. Oh, what, what can you say about Reckless Eric? We wrap up, and suddenly the administrator's back in the room. He's not doing anything, he's just there marveling at how ridiculous the perspective is on this page. And we see our new crew. We have that generic Liefeld hero. We got a really big guy with a white face and, like, electro dreadlocks. That's hardwire. We got a big ball of electricity. That's cargo. And we got a young girl with goggles and, uh, and hair that would make that dude from Kid and Play take pause. And that is Shooter. Oh, and Wolverine. He's ready for action again, too. Only he's not looking at the administrator. He's looking at us. The administrator's, like, in the bottom. Like, if the page was a clock, the administrator is at, like, four or five o'clock. Just in the corner, staring forward. Everyone else is looking at us. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like a page you kind of have to see. It's like color forms run amok. Um, It's probably worth noting that the generic Liefeld hero character, he refers to the administrator as father, because of course he does. Next, all along the Watchtower, part two. Blot and pencils, Rob Liefeld. Script, Eric Stevenson. Colors, Digital Broom. Letters, Comic Crafts, Troy Petery. Petery? One of those. Edits, Mark Powers and Bob Harris. This originally appeared in Wolverine, Volume 2, Number 155. And this was October 2000, cover day. Here, Wolverine and his new friends are stood before the Administrator and the Scourge, because the Scourge, the Scourge shows up. Then, duh, a big fight breaks out. Wolverine gets another one-on-one encounter with the Administrator, who grabs our hero by his throat. But when Wolverine swipes at him, of course, his claws just phase right through, because, oh ho, hard light energy projection hologram gimmick. The Administrator then talks a whole bunch. He says once Wolverine has served his purpose, he'll he'll mean less than nothing to him. So he has purpose... But after that, yeah, he just won't be of any any more use to uh, the Scourge, the Watchtower, the Administrator, whoever. Uh, the generic Liefeld hero says that the hard light gimmick is one of his father's favorite tricks, so there's that. The fight rolls on. Wolverine asks for some more details about the Administrator, but our generic hero ain't telling. He says it's too complicated a story. What we do find out is his name, because this hero says we can call him Geronimo Crow. Which, I mean, do we have to? (laughs) Because, come on. Uh, Crow explains that he used to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, I mean, I think I've been an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., you've been an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., who hasn't been an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point? But now he and his crew are trying to take down the Watchtower. Wolverine is uh, flabbergasted. He's surprised he's never heard of the Watchtower before, to which Crow kind of pulls rank. He puts Wolverine in his place, and he suggests that the X-Men don't deal with the real threats in the world, like... The Watchtower. Crow then asks Hardwire to scan the place to see if there are any more mutants present. This facilitates a scene shift to the room where Siren is being kept in that tube. Deadpool is still there watching over her when the gigantic Hardwire bursts through a wall. Wade compares it to a dreadlocked sentinel, and he's not far off. Then we turn the page sideways to see yet another scene of Wolverine and Deadpool striking and swiping at one another. So, how how, how you all liking this issue of Major X? Good stuff, right? 
Yeah, we're learning a whole lot about Major X here. Uh, from here, three more pages of fighting and tough talk from Wade and Logan. Geronimo and his crew then surround Deadpool, or maybe Deadpool just gets tired because the fighting just stops. They just decide, hey, time out, you know, we're not going to fight for a minute. Wolverine asks for some more information, and ain't nobody, <laughs> nobody's giving him it, any information. He's just like, can anybody help me out? And that, I feel like he is our point of view character here, because so many of us are just like, what's going on? And nobody's given us answers, and it's very frustrating. Shooter then uh, shoots Deadpool, which sends him flailing into the tank that's holding Siren, which is like the most impossible thing ever, because this tube, if you can picture a tube, it goes from standing upright to being on its side to being on a slant and back around again. I guess it should go without saying that there are zero backgrounds on this page, so I guess it's all relative. Uh, I guess we can go with that. Maybe... It's just Deadpool is weirdly angled. I I give up. Anywho, Wade winds up smashing through that canister tank thing, which causes Siren to wake up. And then she lets out a sonic scream and flies out of the tube. So whatever it was, worked. She is now whole again. Her vocal cords are back in business. Now that the jig is up, Deadpool explains himself. You see, he only joined up with the administrator in order to help Teresa. Teresa, who, again, is very, very, very blonde here. She's thankful to Wade, but she uh, kind of, hi- but he kind of hints that he had to do some less than savory things to make this happen. You know, like everything that's already happened in this story. We get a bit of clarification here that Wolverine was a target of the administrator for his Watchtower chop shop because the baddie wanted to replicate Hot Logan's healing factor. He hopes that Logan's healing factor could heal the world, which doesn't sound too bad, does it? Well, Geronimo Crow certainly seems to think it does. Siren then turns to Wolverine and asks if the fighting is going to continue, because if it does, she's going to have to side with Deadpool. Deadpool then suggests, hey, you know, I'm tired, how about I just take Teresa home? And Wolverine doesn't stop him, so bada-bing, bada-boom. Suddenly, Wolverine seems far more interested in why Geronimo Crow called the Administrator father. I mean, it's probably because he's his father? Stands to reason, doesn't it? I mean, that's not, uh... I mean, how, how, how intricate and how deep can that conversation, that answer go? Why'd you call him father? Well, you see, it's a long story. No, it's not. Crow still doesn't bother to answer. And we're never actually going to find out, because after this issue, we're never going to see this asshole again. He's gone. We jump to later on, and Wolverine is approaching another Watchtower facility. So we're out of that one. We're into another one. Here he runs into yet another hard light projection of the Administrator. And now here, here is where it accidentally gets interesting. Okay? And it has absolutely no reason or right to, but in light of other things we're reading... It's kind of interesting. Here, the administrator claims that he wants to replicate Wolverine's healing factor. We know that, right? That's that's old information. He intends to share it with the world, probably for some sort of political clout and leverage, though. Wolverine says, you know what? The governments of the world would never agree to anything like that. Well, that kind of begs the question, isn't that sort of kind of exactly what's going on with the Krakoan magic meds over in the Dawn of X books? How weird is that, right? I mean, 
What's that thing about the broken clock being right a couple times a day, right? Anywho, Wolverine just leaves. He, he leaves. He, uh. he catches up with Crow and the rest of the gang to say that he won't rest until he topples the tower. Naturally, we won't see hide nor hair of the Watchtower for 20 years, real time. Uh, and as for Geronimo Crow, Shooter, Cargo, and Hardware, the sensational character finds of the year 2000, well, I hope you enjoyed them while we had them, because they ain't never, ever coming back. At least as of this recording, and uh, with both fingers crossed. So from here, we jump back into our framing sequence here. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, come full circle, wrap this sucker up. We're back at the existence, where we learn the origin of the Sword of X, which... We already knew because Major X spilled those beans way back in Major X number one. It's made out of adamantium and it's actually forged from Wolverine's skeleton. Yes, we already knew that. Commander X says that he happened to cross them bones in the final days before the exodus to the existence. He then talks more about how magnificent the blade is for like three pages. It's all about how magnificent this blade is. Then he hands it over to its rightful wielder, Major X. Then the Buckethead Brigade blips out, leaving Major X and McCoy, when the hell did he get here, to begin their adventure. It says the story begins, and that's it. That's it. We be we end at the beginning, I guess. Uh, but that's not the end of the issue, because the issue wraps, wraps up with an interview with Rob Liefeld regarding this project. In it, he confirms that he was given carte blanche for Major X, so anything he wanted to do... It's all good. Um, He claims that Major X has been in the works since his first days on X-Force. Which, uh, come on. Come on, no. He reminds us that the administrator made an appearance in a single issue of the X-Force miniseries, which was X-Force Volume 2, Number 4. That was had a January 2005 cover date. And he hopes to continue building on the administrator in the Watchtower's story, which sounds like a threat. He compares the introduction of Major X to the first appearance of Deadpool back in New Mutants number 98. And you know something? I don't remember people really flipping out for Deadpool back in the long ago. I think that's some revisionist history here because uh, that wasn't a hard book to get back in the day. Um, So I I don't know that it was... I mean, people liked the character, sure, because it was a Liefeld character, but when you were talking about issues of New Mutants that you had your eye out for, it was the Cable issue. It wasn't the Deadpool issue. So, with my recollection, I don't pe- remember people, like, really losing their minds over Deadpool, so maybe he's not lying here, because uh, people really didn't lose their minds over Major X, either. So, yeah, I guess that's a comparable uh, introduction. He uh, claims that Major X, Alexander Nathaniel Summers, is a compelling character. Okay, then. And, uh, that's that. So what do we even say about this? Um, hmm... I don't really know what to say about this because there was no reason to reprint this Watchtower story. There really wasn't. I mean, for the new information we got here was, what, six pages in the existence of the Bucketheads giving Major X a sword that we already knew the origin of? I really... I couldn't imagine. (laughs) If you paid $5 for this, I'm sorry. Um... The Watchtower story from Wolverine, the one from the year 2000 that we just covered here, it's not great. It's really not great. Uh, The only parts of it that were interesting were the parts that were purely by accident. 
unless a young Jonathan Hickman was reading Wolverine number 155 and was like, aha, mutant magic medicine here. We can heal the world. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, even so, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Um, these characters here, I mean, we have Geronimo Crow and the crew, and we never see them again. They never come back. I don't even think they show up when they when they remade the, the Ohatmus. I don't think they got a mention then. And Cal AOL from Marvel got a mention in those. So, I mean, you rank lower than Cal AOL... Eh, maybe we don't need you reprinted. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at my notes here because I was taking notes while I was writing the synopsis, and I couldn't come up with anything. Usually I could come up with something, uh, anything to really just circle back around and maybe reflect on something that happened in the book or something that we learned in the book or something we liked or disliked. I, I got nothing. Um, I mean, we can talk about the the inconsistencies in the art, but we've already done that. We could talk about the inconsistencies in the story, but we've already done that. I can tell you that when this happened in the year 2000, I hated the way Deadpool was depicted because I was I was one of the handful of people who actually bought the Deadpool ongoing series back then. This is before you know people cared about Deadpool, and so I was actually following that, and it was one of my favorite books of the month. And here he was reverted to, you know, uh, an altruistic villain, but still a villain, you know? Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that uh, Steve Scrosi's, you know, story from Wolverine ended. I didn't realize that it was a short-term thing back in the day, so I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it just didn't feel... The flow just wasn't there, because that was a really, really... I really, I, you know, it's been 20 years since I read it, so maybe I wouldn't like it these days, but I really loved it back then, the uh, Scrosi story. So I was very disappointed to see this. I felt like it t- made everything take a step backwards. And uh, what it has to do with Major X, I I couldn't tell you. Maybe, maybe there is something forthcoming that'll tie it together a little bit better. I don't know if we should hope for that or not. Um... Yeah, I'm sorry. I suppose we could talk about the... Not so much the artistic inconsistency within the story, but within the stories here. We have the framing sequence, of course, which is, you know, six to eight pages, right? And they feel wildly rushed. They... they, It's... I mean, absolutely no disrespect, and I'm not saying this to be ironic or to be sarcastic or whatever... But if you look at the Wolverine story, the Liefeld work there is solid. You know, it's exactly what you'd expect from Rob. The framing sequence is shaky. It's not It's not up to the standard of what is in the middle of it. It's very jarring. I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know if maybe... I don't know. There were a couple of anchors on this. Uh, I really don't know. Um... It makes me wonder, I mean, if we're going to do a Watchtower story, right, and we're going to do this oversized issue, why aren't we doing it in, like, an all-inclusive sort of way? Why aren't we including that issue of X-Force Volume 2? You know, if we really are trying to make this, like, a catch-all for everything you need to know about the Watchtower and everything you need to know about... Because, I mean, we're not learning anything about Major X other than the fact that 
that he has a sword. But we already knew that. I don't know. I really don't know. This could have been this could have been an eight-page freebie. Still call it number zero, sure. Why not? But to throw two issues of Wolverine from twenty years ago in this thing just to charge five bucks for it. I really just don't have anything else to say. You beat me, Major X. You win. <laughs> You've beaten me senseless and uh, voiceless. So uh, that is Major X. All done. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start moving these over to the official X-Lapsed page at xlapse.chrisisoninfiniteearth.com. I'm going to do them all in one little clump there, so... Uh, It'll be easier to find if anybody has any interest in watching me go from being wildly excited for a uh, miniseries to really having absolutely nothing to say about it over the course of seven episodes. So, yeah, I think that's that. Uh, If uh, you'd like to get a hold of me and uh, maybe take me to task for my opinion on this book or... You know, just agree, I guess I'm easy guy to find You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics Or at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com um, You can find show notes and blog posts At chrisisoninfiniteearths.com The Facebook page is at 90s X-Men on Facebook And you can hear the entire Chris and Reggie audio archives At chrisandreggie.podbean.com I think that's where we will uh End it for today, and end it for good for uh, Major X Lapsed here. It's been a wild... No, not really. It's not been a wild seven episodes. It's been seven episodes. That much I can say as an absolute fact. But uh, for those of you who hung around for all seven of them, it really means a lot to me. I appreciate you spending your time here with me and the Major and McCoy. And uh, we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed that we'll never have to again. I mean, does that mean... Maybe that's mean. I don't know. <laughs> I will say, I will say before we do cut out of here, I will. I would be very jazzed if uh, the Sword of X somehow made its way into X of Swords. I think that's a, that's a license to print money right there. We can have the Major uh, as part of the X of Swords, X of Tens, whatever we're calling it, uh, event. Uh, he could be the linchpin that... Uh, that fixes everything or destroys everything. I don't know what the story's about yet. So he'll be the linchpin that does something important. That's uh, You heard it here probably for the fourth or fifth time. So anyway, that's where we'll leave it. One more giant thank you to everyone for hanging out and sharing their time and choosing to listen to Major X Lapsed. Uh, and as always, uh, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya.